My name is Professor Rachel Bodell, and you're listening to The Bible in a Year, The Story Podcast, where we encounter a living God that is calling us to live a life from, with, and for Him. This podcast is designed to help you listen to the one connected story of the Bible and understand it perhaps just a little bit better by learning from biblical scholars that have helped me. We will read the Bible out loud and explore how the one connected story of the kingdom of God is unfolding and how we fit into that story today. This is day 184 and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible. Jeremiah 7 and 8 and Ezekiel 37 through 39. Jeremiah 7. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house and there proclaim this message. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah, who come through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Reform your ways and your actions, and I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, and do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, in the land I gave your ancestors forever and ever. But look, You are trusting in deceptive words that are worthless. Will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal and follow other gods you have not known, and then come and stand before me in this house, which bears my name and say we are safe, safe to do all these detestable things? Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. Go now to the place in Shiloh, where I first made a dwelling for my name, and see what I did to it because of the wickedness of my people Israel. While you were doing all these things, declares the Lord, I spoke to you again and again, but you did not listen. I called you, but you did not answer. Therefore, what I did to Shiloh, I will now do to the house that bears my name, the temple you trust in, the place I gave to you and your ancestors. I will thrust you from my presence, just as I did all your fellow Israelites, the people of Ephraim. So, do not pray for this people, nor offer any plea or petition for them. Do not plead with me, for I will not listen to you. Do you not see what they are doing in the towns of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? The children gather wood, the fathers light the fire, and the women knead the dough and make cakes to offer to the queen of heaven. They pour out drinks offering to other gods to arouse my anger. But I am the one they are provoking, declares the Lord. Are they not rather harming themselves to their own shame? Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says, my anger and my wrath will be poured out on this place, on man and beast, on the trees of the field and on the crops of your land, and it will burn and not be quenched. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel says, go ahead, add your burned offering to your other sacrifices and eat the meat yourselves. For when I brought your ancestors out of Egypt and spoke to them, I did not just give them commanders about burnt offerings and sacrifices, but I gave them this command, obey me and I will be your God and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you that it may go well with you. 
but they did not listen or pay attention. Instead, they followed the stubborn inclinations of their evil hearts. They went backward and not forward. From the time your ancestors left Egypt until now, day after day, again and again, I sent you my servant, the prophets, but they did not listen to me or pay attention. They were stiff-necked and did more evil than their ancestors. When you tell them all this, they will not listen to you. When you call to them, they will not answer. Therefore say to them, this is the nation that has not obeyed the Lord, its God, or responded to correction. Truth has perished. It has vanished from their lips. Cut off your hair and throw it away. Take up a lament on the barren heights for the Lord has rejected and abandoned this generation that is under his wrath. The people of Judah have done evil in my eyes, declares the Lord. They have set up their detestable idols in the house that bears my name and have defiled it. They have built the high places of Topheth in the valley of Ben-Hanam to burn their sons and daughters in the fire, something I did not command, nor did it enter my mind. So beware, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when people will no longer call it Topheth and the valley of Ben-Hanam, but the valley of slaughter, for they will bury the dead in Topheth until there is no more room. Then the carcasses of this people will become food for the birds and the wild animals." and there will be no one to frighten them away. I will bring an end to the sounds of joy and gladness and to the voices of bride and bridegroom in the town of Judah and the streets of Jerusalem, for the land will become desolate. At this time, declares the Lord, the bones of the kings and officials of Judah, the bones of the priests and prophets, and the bones of the people of Jerusalem will be removed from their graves. They will be exposed to the sun and the moon and all the stars of the heavens, which they have loved and served and which they have followed and consulted and worshipped. They will not be gathered up or buried, but will be like dung lying on the ground. Wherever I banish them, all the survivors of this evil nation will prefer death to life, declares the Lord Almighty. Say to them, this is what the Lord says. When people fall down, do they not get up? When someone turns away, do they not return? Why then have these people turned away? Why does Jerusalem always turn away? They cling to deceit. They refuse to return. I have listened attentively, but they do not say what is right. None of them repent of their wickedness, saying, What have I done? Each pursues their own course like a horse charging into battle. Even the stork in the sky knows her appointed seasons, and the dove, the swift and the thrush, observe the time of their migration. But my people do not know the requirements of the Lord. How can you say we are wise, for we have the law of the Lord, when actually the lying pen of the scribes has handled it falsely? The wise will be put to shame. They will be dismayed and trapped, since they have rejected the word of the Lord. What kind of wisdom do they have? Therefore, I will give their wives to other men and their fields to new owners. From the least to the greatest, all are greedy for gain. Prophets and priests alike all practice deceit. They dress the wound of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. Are they ashamed of their detestable conduct? No, they have no shame at all. They do not even know how to blush. So they will fall among the fallen. They will be brought down when they are punished, says the Lord. I will take away their harvest, declares the Lord. There will be no grapes on the vine. There will be no figs on the tree and their leaves will wither. What I have given them will be taken from them. Why are we sitting here? Gathered together, let us flee to the fortified cities and perish there. For the Lord our God has doomed us to perish and given us poisoned water to drink because we have sinned against him. We hoped for peace, but no good has come for a time of healing, but there is only terror. 
the snorting of the enemy's horses is heard from Dan. At the neighing of their stallions, the whole land trembles. They have come to devour the land and everything in it, the city and all who live there. See, I will send venomous snakes among you, vipers that cannot be charmed, and they will bite you, declares the Lord. You who are my comforter in sorrow, my heart is faint within me. Listen to the cry of my people from a land far away. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king no longer there? Why have they aroused my anger with their images, with their worthless foreign idols? The harvest is past, the summer has ended, and we are not saved. Since my people are crushed, I am crushed, I mourn, and horror grips me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is there no healing for the wound of my people? Ezekiel 37 The hand of the Lord was on me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord, and sent me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. Then he said to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you, and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded, and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound, and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked, and tendons and flesh appeared on them, and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to it, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, Come, breathe from the four winds, and breathe into these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live, and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken, and I have done it, declares the Lord. The word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, take a stick of wood and write on it, belonging to Judah and the Israelites associated with him. Then take another stick of wood and write on it, belonging to Joseph, that is to Ephraim, and all the Israelites associated with him. Join them together into one stick so they will become one in your hand. When your people ask you, won't you tell us what you mean by this? Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I am going to take the stick of Joseph, which is in Ephraim's hand and of the Israelite tribes associated with him, and join it to Judah's stick. I will make them into a single stick of wood and they will become one in my hand. Hold before their eyes the sticks you have written on and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. I will take the Israelites out of the nations where they have gone. I will gather them from all around and bring them back into their own land. I will make them one nation in the land and on the mountains of Israel. There will be one king over all of them and they will never again be two nations or be divided into two kingdoms. They will no longer defile themselves with their idols and vile images or with any of their offenses. 
for I will save them from all their sinful backsliding, and I will cleanse them. They will be my people, and I will be their God. My servant David will be king over them, and they will all have one shepherd. They will follow my laws and be careful to keep my decrees. They will live in the land I gave to my servant Jacob, the land where your ancestors lived. They and their children and their children's children will live there forever, and David my servant will be their prince forever. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them and increase their number, and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, make Israel holy, when my sanctuary is among them forever. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, set your face against Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tobol, prophesy against him and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says, I am against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshech and Tobol. I will turn you around, put hooks in your jaws and bring you out with your whole army, your horses, your horsemen fully armed and a great horde with large and small shields, all of them brandishing their swords. Persia, Cush, and Put will be put with them all with shields and helmets. Also Gomer with all its troops, and Beth Togarmah from the far north with all its troops, the many nations with you. Get ready, be prepared, you and all the hordes gather about you, and take command of them. After many days you will be called to arms. In future years you will invade a land that has recovered from war, whose people were gathered from many nations to the mountains of Israel, which had long been desolate. They had been brought out from the nations, and now all of them live in safety. You and all your troops and the many nations with you will go up, advancing like a storm. You will be like a cloud covering the land. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. On that day, thoughts will come into your mind, and you will devise an evil scheme. You will say, I will invade a land of unwalled villages. I will attack a peaceful and unsuspecting people, all of them living without walls and without gates and bars. I will plunder and loot and turn my hand against the resettled ruins and the people gathered from the nations, rich in livestock and goods, living at the center of the land. Shaba and Dedan and the merchants of Tarshish and all her villages will say to you, have you come to plunder? Have you gathered your hordes to loot, to carry off silver and gold, to take away livestock and goods, and to seize much plunder? Therefore, son of man, prophesy and say to Gog, this is what the sovereign Lord says. In that day, when my people Israel are living in safety, will you not take notice of it? Will you come from your place in the far north, you and many nations with you, all of them riding on horses, a great horde, a mighty army? You will advance against my people Israel like a cloud that covers the land. In days to come, Gog, I will bring you against my land so that the nations may know me when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. This is what the sovereign Lord says. You are the one I spoke of in former days by my servant, the prophet of Israel. At that time, they prophesied for years that I would bring you against them. This is what will happen in that day. When Gog attacks the land of Israel, my hot anger will be aroused, declares the Sovereign Lord. In my zeal and fiery wrath, I declared that at that time there shall be a great earthquake in the land of Israel. The fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the beasts of the field, every creature that moves along the ground, and all the people on the face of the earth will tremble at my presence. The mountains will be overturned, the cliffs will crumble, and every wall will fall to the ground. I will summon a sword against Gog on all my mountains, declares the Sovereign Lord. Every man's sword will be against his brother. I will execute judgment on him with plague and bloodshed. I will pour down 
torrents of rain, hailstones and burning sulfur on him and on his troops and on the many nations with him. And so I will show my greatness and my holiness. I will make myself known in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Son of man, prophesy against Gog and say, This is what the sovereign Lord says. I am against you, Gog, chief prince of Meshach and Tabul. I will turn you around and drag you along. I will bring you from the far north and send you against the mountains of Israel. Then I will strike your bow from your left hand and make your arrows drop from your right hand. On the mountains of Israel you will fall, you and all your troops and the nations with you. I will give you as food to all kinds of carrion birds and to the wild animals. You will fall in the open fields, for I have spoken, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will send fire on Magog and all those who live in safety in the coastlands, and they will know that I am the Lord. I will make known my holy name among my people Israel. I will no longer let my holy name be profaned, and the nations will know that I, the Lord, am the Holy One in Israel. It is coming. It will surely take place, declares the Sovereign Lord. This is the day I have spoken. Then those who live in the towns of Israel will go out and use the weapons for fuel and burn them, the small and large shields, the bows and arrows, the war clubs and spears. For seven years, they will use them for fuel. They will not need to gather wood from the fields or cut it from the forest because they will use the weapons for fuel. They will plunder those who plunder them, loot those who looted them, declares the sovereign Lord. On that day, I will give Gog a burial place in Israel, in the valley of those who travel east of the sea. It will block the way of travelers because Gog and all his hordes will be buried there. So it will be called the Valley of Haman Gog. For seven months, the Israelites will bury them in order to cleanse the land. All the people of the land will bury them, and the day I display my glory will be a memorable day for them, declares the Sovereign Lord. People will be continually employed in cleansing the land. They will spread out across the land and along with others. They will bury any bodies they are lying on the ground. After the seven months, they will carry out a more detailed search. As they go through the land, anyone who sees a human bone will leave a marker beside it until the grave diggers bury it in the valley of Haman Gog, near a town called Hamanah, and so they will cleanse the land. Son of man, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Call out to every kind of bird and all the wild animals. Assemble and come together from all around to the sacrifice I am preparing for you, the great sacrifice on the mountains of Israel. There you will eat flesh and drink blood. You will eat the flesh of mighty men and drink the blood of the princes of the earth, as if they were rams and lambs, goats and bulls, all of them fattened animals from Bashan. At the sacrifice I am preparing for you, you will eat fat till you are gluttoned and drink blood till you are drunk. At my table you will eat your fill of horses and riders, mighty men and soldiers of every kind, declares the Sovereign Lord. I will display my glory among the nations, and all the nations will see the punishment I inflict and the hand I lay on them. From that day forward, the people of Israel will know that I am the Lord their God, and the nation will know that the people of Israel went into exile for their sin, because they were unfaithful to me. So I hid my face from them and handed them over to their enemies, and they all fell by the sword. I dealt with them according to their uncleanness and their offenses, and I hid my face from them. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says, I will now restore the fortunes of Jacob and will have compassion on all the people of Israel, and I will be zealous for my holy name. They will forget their shame and all the unfaithfulness they have shown toward me when they live in safety in their land with no one to make them afraid. 
When I have brought them back from the nations and have gathered them from the countries of their enemies, I will prove holy through them in the sight of many nations. Then they will know that I am the Lord their God. For though I sent them into exile among the nations, I will gather them to their own land, not leaving any behind. I will no longer hide my face from them, for I will pour out my spirit on the people of Israel, declares the sovereign Lord. In Jeremiah 7, we are told that God will destroy the temple, his temple in Jerusalem, because it is false and must be torn down. It's this marriage and name only problem. The people are coming to the temple and at the same time, they have all these other false gods they're worshiping outside the temple where his people are worshiping other gods and doing terrible things like child sacrifice, oppressing others, and living for personal gain. Ezekiel is describing idolatry as adultery. Even leaders have no shame. They've abandoned their role and the covenant. And while it wasn't a popular thing to say, Ezekiel was bringing a message that as a result, God is bringing justice, not only by destroying his own temple, but sending an enemy from the north, which we later know is Babylon. In Ezekiel, we read in chapter 34 as a quick review about a new David or messianic king that is coming because of Israel, of our hard hearts. Then in chapter 36, we learned about a new Israel with a new softer heart from God's spirit. Then we read about the Valley of Dry Bones in chapter 37. Dr. Mackey describes how, yes, it does represent a physical death of many in exile, but also a metaphorical death, a spiritual state of death, the hard heart that leads to stone, or in this case, dry bones. And God's Spirit is coming to breathe life back into these dry bones, these hearts of stone, a new act of creation is needed. Other biblical scholars see Ezekiel 37 as the foreshadowing of the resurrection. Remember that part we read about dry bones and God bringing them to life? It also recalls or reminds me of Genesis 2 verse 7 in Hebrew, where Adonai, God, formed a person in Hebrew, Adam, from the dust of the ground, which in Hebrew is Adamah, and divinely breathes into his nostrils the breath of life so that he became a living being. For me, there is this connection from the past and this promise of the future. In chapter 37, there is also this reiteration of Yahweh, God keeping his eternal covenant with Israel, again, like into Genesis 2 and also the future. God will bring them to a special place, their inheritance, the land, to provide for them and give them future progeny, to be blessed and bear his name, to become a kingdom of priests, where he will reside with them, with us in sanctuary, and there to be a blessing forever. Dr. Block, again, not have blessing only, but be a blessing. And Dr. Block describes how chapter 37, verses 15 to 28, illustrates levels of significance. First, Yahweh unites the United Nation with himself in a permanent covenant relationship. Second, Yahweh unites two kingdoms, remember the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel, into a political and spiritual union. Third, Yahweh unites two sticks in a physical union. And fourth, Ezekiel, a prophet, a watchman, a messenger of God, unites two sticks in a physical union. While chapter 38 and 39 are difficult to understand, or they were for me, Dr. Mackey summarizes in the simplest sense that Ezekiel's main point is to convey that God defeats evil among the nations, which is personified by this ruler evil king guy named Gog from the land of Magog. 
I've read a lot of wild, ranging ideas about this allegory and metaphor, but Dr. Mackey makes a lot of sense to me. He says the name Gog is derived from ancient genealogies of kingdoms and lands. Remember all those we read back in Genesis? And Dr. Mackey points specifically to Genesis chapter 10 that refers to powerful nations from the distant past. Mackey sees it as an image of any and all violent nations and the most evil of kings. If you haven't listened to the Bible Project's new podcast series on chaos dragons and the Hebrew language in ancient context, this can be very helpful to understand references to this type of imagery. The seven nations from every direction represents all the nations, and Ezekiel's description of Gog is similar to how he described the king of Tyre and Pharaoh with this chaos monster, or agent of the dragon language. A tanin in Hebrew. So Gog is an amalgam, which means a mix or blend of all of the most evil leaders and nations. Gog is an archetype for human rebellion, a character of the anti-story of God. While Gog wants to destroy God's people, God steps in to conquer evil. And as Mackey describes, Ezekiel pulls out all his imagery's tools. And perhaps that's also what makes it harder to understand in a literal sense, because Gog and his armies are first destroyed by earthquake and then fire a couple of times and then by sword in a field and then left to be consumed by birds. What we are reading is the emphasis and heart of God to defeat evil, his perseverance in it, in a final finality sort of way, and make a way for new creation, order where the chaos monster is seeking to pull his people and the whole world back into decreation, the void or nothingness. I can't speak highly enough of the Chaos Dragon series the Bible Project is currently doing on their podcast because it helps, for me anyway, to make sense of some of the difficult imagery used in metaphor and allegory to describe evil and how humans can become agents of these creatures who have been decided to become adversaries of God. Remember in Genesis 4, sin crouching at the door waiting to devour us? One of the many things I found fascinating in learning about the Tanin, this dragon, this chaos monster, that it's used 14 times in the Hebrew Bible in Genesis, Exodus, Deuteronomy, Psalms, Job, Ezekiel, Isaiah, and Jeremiah. God created this dragon in Genesis 1.21. It was a good creature that God created, and Psalms con conveys it as playful. But then it's also attested to as this chaos monster representing decreation. And in Jeremiah, the king of Nebuchadnezzar II of Babylon is representing the Tanin. And Pharaoh is likened or linked to this dragon here in Ezekiel. While dragons were one of the most used images in the ancient world, the biblical authors are making a clear distinction in the Torah and in, the, in these prophetic texts. The Tanin was created by God. It is not a rival of God, but a rival of creation, as humans are also and can be a rival to creation when they're pulling away from and disobeying God and God's plan, when they choose to become an agent of this dragon and chaos monster. There are a lot of different ideas about this part of Ezekiel 38 and 39. I believe some even tried to put Russia in here somehow. No, I'm, I'm serious about the Russia part, but there there is some accounting and explanations for it. But Dr. Block gives a detailed account of different interpretations 
And some of the weakest ones and some of the stronger ones in his Ezekiel commentary linked in the show notes. So if you've heard a lot of different things about this, I think it's worth a look at Dr. Block's Ezekiel commentary where I think he curates most of the ideas and really gives, I think, a strong account for how they came to those conclusions and what makes them strong or weak. One important thing he advised is not to pull Ezekiel 38 or 39 out of the context of this story. This is one of the quickest ways to let our interpretations drift is when we pull a chapter or verse out of the story, language, and context it is in. It's hard to do. I know it's like learning an entirely new culture and language or several, but it's worth the journey to understand more about the language, culture, authors, and context that God chose to tell his story. The one we're living in, the one that is still unfolding today. Dr. Block reminds us that we see this Gog Magog motif come up again in Revelations when John is writing about the defeat of the beast. More on this later, of course, but this connection of the Old and New Testament, reiterating that Yahweh is unrivaled and his name, his reputation is linked to the welfare of his people. He will prevail and keep his covenant. God is grace and mercy. He is divine grace, and it's humbling and stirs in me this sense of both empowerment and encouragement, and I hope it does the same for you. Pray for me, I'm praying for you. My prayer is this, found in Philippians 1, 9 through 11, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, to the glory and praise of God. What is this fruit? It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Galatians 5, 22 through 24. See you tomorrow.